Well, hello, hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I am joined by some of the usual suspects. Teddy, how are you today? Doing well. How about you? Very well, thank you. And uh, a kind of, sort of, uh, not willing, but here participant, uh, Matthew, how are you? My arm is hurting. It's been badly twisted up behind my back, but I'm, I'm here. I appreciate that. Uh, we do have David Russell in the chat uh, today. He's got some uh, things going on, uh, and so he will not actually be on the show, uh, but he will hear what's going on. So maybe he'll uh, join in in the comments at skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. Always nice to see Russell stop by and mix it up with the animals. Um, this is the right proper show on suicide and euthanasia. We have been in the middle, uh, in the process of a series uh, that I have called A Time to Kill. We started this a few weeks ago and we're getting ready to round the corner toward the end of it. Uh, Russell and I started off with a uh, high level overview uh, and uh, to, uh, and after that we had a very heated conversation on uh, abortion. Uh, it was it was ugly, but it was necessary. Not sorry. You should listen to that. Um, following that, we uh, dealt with the subjects of uh, self-defense and war. Uh, also a very interesting uh, topic. And I want to thank um, Chase uh for coming along uh um, that one uh and then earlier this week andrew and i put out uh, a shorter show short lasted about an hour um uh, it was supposed to go 20 minutes but uh andrew and i we tend to go on uh we did a primer on suicide and euthanasia because andrew was not going to be able to uh, be here for this show, and uh, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that one, uh, whether before or after this one, it doesn't matter. Uh, that was a good show. There'll be a lot of stuff in that conversation that won't be repeated here. Uh, and if you want to get maybe a fuller view of some of my thoughts on the subject, that show will probably give you the fullest view because it was just Andrew and I. Um, trading views and uh, deep diving into it a little bit and talking about some personal experiences and things like that. Uh, so now we have a, a small panel today, uh, which I think is a good thing. This is not going to be one of those shows where there's a lot of yelling and screaming and um, it's not going to be a lot of joking. It's suicide, folks. It's not funny. Um, there's a reason why there are no good suicide jokes out there. Um, it's a it's a serious subject and it's uh, it's a heartbreaking subject. It's one of those things that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's the kind of thing you talk about when you feel like you have to. And honestly, I, I feel like I have to. Um, and if I didn't, I would leave it off. But it's it's too important. And it requires sense of uh, soberness and uh, gravitas more than I can give it. I, I feel completely unequal to the task of this discussion. So 
I will, uh, I will do my best. I'm going to start off, uh, though, in a place where uh, I feel fairly comfortable starting, and that is with a, a more theological or counter-theological overview. Um, the reason I start with theological and counter-theological um, ideas is because I spent so much of my life as a Christian. Furthermore, I wasn't just a Christian. I was someone who taught the Christian view. I was, I was in the ministry for most of the time uh, that I was there. And so I've had a lot of time to think about these things and talk about these things from that perspective. And even though I am past what some would call the deconstructive the deconstruction phase, I still find myself going back to that old theological view and visiting, revisiting how it colored my perspective and how it colors my perspective today. And so the thing that I want you to talk about in my opening is a, a general view on the value of life and why I think that under the Christian view, certainly under the Christian view that I had when I was a Christian, life is actually cheaper. It's, it's less value. And I know that uh, today there are lots of debates, uh, atheist Christian debates, where the Christian takes the position uh, that life has a, an extremely high value. And I would have said that too when I was a, a Christian. I would have made the exact arguments that they make today. The problem is, as I think about those arguments today, I think that it is just the opposite. When you consider the Christian perspective, it actually gives life less value. It makes it cheaper, and it helps me kind of understand why so many people of faith uh, take their life, uh, because that was something that always troubled me as a Christian. Why are Christians taking their lives at roughly the same uh, level as, as atheists. What's going on there? What, where is the message going awry? What can I do to, to give a better message? So uh, just three points real quick. There are mm, my notes. There we go. Okay. Uh, three points. Uh, why life is cheap under the Christian worldview. The first point is because of the notion that we are imprinted with the image of God. Now, at first blush, you might look at that and say, but wait a minute, the image of God is what gives life so much value. So what do you, what do you mean? Um, why, how can being made in the image of God and being imprinted with the image of God lower our sense of value? Well, it's very simple. It's, it, and in fact, is one of the most cheapening things about life because it says that your life is merely a mirror for God's glory. You are not the thing of value. You are the thing that reflects someone else's value. The human is the value. The mirror is just a thing of no value. We are like the mirror in this relationship. Uh, with the image of God. It is not that we are valuable because we are us. It is because we are valuable because we have God's image 
in us. It would be like your father saying you are worthless and would be nothing without me, without my DNA, without my training, without my influence. You are valueless. And that's that's part of the sub-message that I think that Christians don't hear when they say things like, um, but you have the image of God, and that's what makes you valuable. Well, guess what? As a non-Christian, I think you're valuable in and of yourself. You don't have to be a reflector of someone else's value or glory. Um, a second a second uh, idea that Christians tend to say is that um, your life is uh, not just a matter of what it does here, but it has eternal implications and you will live forever. Well, actually that cheapens uh, life because it's not just what you've got here now. Life, is, life becomes something like a dress rehearsal. Uh, you never die. Don't worry about death. It's not really death. No, no, no. Forget about that death stuff. You're just going to transition from this form to a next, from this uh, realm to another. You're not really going to die. And so it's, it's all eternity. What you do right now is not even a speck of the eternity that you're going to live. That really cheapens life. I think your life is valuable because it's the only one you've got it's the only one you're going to get. This is not a dress rehearsal, and you have to make it count now. Um, the third message uh, that I uh, hear from Christians and used to give myself is that we are somehow born in sin or born sinners. And even if you uh, alter that to mean, well, you're born innocent, but you develop you become responsible for sin at some point. You're born with a sin nature. And since we are born in sin, we have absolutely no hope, no hope of being anything but kindling for hell without the intervention of God. So just think about that for a moment. If God didn't intervene, from the moment we're born, from the moment we're conceived, we are garbage, worthless, hopeless, helpless to do any better. The only hope we have is if God supernaturally intervenes. So we as just ourselves are worth crap. This is the Christian message. You don't gain any value at all until God does something. And so once again, it's not really your value that we're talking about. It's God's value. And so I didn't, I didn't hear this message this way until after I was no longer a Christian and had some time to think about it in another way. And I know that these ideas will probably be a surprise. Christians probably have not heard this sort of argument before. But I, I can just say that with the Christian worldview, I can see why life might seem 
hopeless, or without value. But I want you to know that you don't have to think that way and that you are a valuable asset. Your life has valuable, not because some God laid his image on you. You're valuable for who you are. You are valuable because you have one opportunity to do this. And you're valuable because you are perfect just as you are. You don't need someone else to come along and make you worthwhile. Uh, and so I am going to, um, I'm going to pass the um, microphone on uh, it. She, she didn't think she had anything to say, but I knew that she would be provoked. So I'm going to pass this on to uh, Teddy. Well, so with an opening statement like that, of course, I do need to respond. Um, there is absolutely nothing cheapening about humans being formed in the image of God. Being formed in the image of God means that there is something godlike in our quality and that's rather magnificent. Um, not that we are gods, but we share some of God's qualities. And so that's, that's really special. And the more that we adhere to the ways that he wants us to behave, we become uh, more like him. And that's how he wants us to become. Uh, and so once we join him in heaven uh, then you know perhaps birds of a feather flock together uh, in terms of this life being cheap this life here on earth uh, and it just being like some dress rehearsal uh, it's not cheap because this life here on earth that which so many people want to uh, deprive unborn children of, um, it is a different sort of life than what happens after this life. Uh, so we, we should want to experience this life and then also experience what happens afterwards. So it's not just a, a do-over or, or just you know a repeat. It's a different experience, so there's nothing uh, cheap about it. In terms of being born in sin, God, God loves us, and we are created in his image. He loves us. Um, just because he hates sin doesn't mean that he hates us, that he does hate sin, and because of that, he he came down uh, in his incarnate self as Christ, and he became our redeemer. And for anybody who wants redemption, it is there for the taking. Um, and, and all we have to do is take it. And, and that's, yeah, that's all there is, you know, and, and, and we just have to, um, to not go against him. We have to do our best to follow his rules. I mean, we're all going to fall short of 
of doing everything perfectly. That's not possible. We're all sinners. But so long as we're not in rebellion, then you know, that's what it takes. Um, now, in terms of today, our talk being about suicide, no, my understanding is it's also about euthanasia, correct? We're also going to be discussing that. And because that that's a, a topic that I'm also very interested in discussing. But uh, what and one of the very interesting things between suicide and euthanasia is that with suicide, it's you know we, we are given by God free will, and suicide deals with somebody's free will in terms of taking their own life, which. I would hope that people who whoever feel that desperate um, to where they need or, or feel the need to do that, that they reach out to others. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we have that ability to do that, even though for a Christian, our lives really do not belong to us, they belong to God, but we, we do have that ability to do that. But with euthanasia, uh, you know, sometimes that happens to people voluntarily, sometimes that happens to people involuntarily, and sometimes that happens to people when, you know, in a non-voluntary situation when they're not even conscious or they're they're not capable of, of making a decision. So um and we have with euthanasia a situation to where people tend to focus on issues of suffering and trying to relieve suffering in people as well as this notion of emphasizing autonomy and the importance of autonomy and i think that sometimes our society tries to place too much of an emphasis on personal autonomy. And I do think that autonomy is important. And I do believe in um, ultimately, as, as most Americans do, or at least traditionally do, uh, the right of the individual is so important, um, especially in, in terms of protecting the right of the individual in terms of the masses. Um, but one of the things that we also have to be careful of is to make sure that certain rights do not impinge upon, in terms of with euthanasia, my concern is that certain rights to try to protect personal autonomy can have some deleterious effects upon uh, certain groups such as minorities, such as people with disabilities, um, the elderly, uh, some unintended consequences. As they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so in trying to give people, you know, if, even if we take just a purely secular approach to euthanasia in trying to give people this personal autonomy, uh, there is the concern that as you minimize, as you say that certain lives might not be worth living, uh, as you say, as some people say that, oh, if I am in this reduced state where 
I can no longer take care of my uh, toileting needs, or if I cannot do the things that I used to do to enjoy life, if I cannot help out, if I cannot earn an income, then my life is not worth living. Um, or if I am a burden to my family and I don't wanna be a burden to my family. Uh, and so I wanna take myself out of the equation uh, and, and die. Um, when a society legalizes that, there is the concern as to what does it do for other people who are in that same situation, it then has a way of putting a burden on them to maybe choose euthanasia because then it makes them perhaps look selfish for not taking themselves out of the equation. So, so if, if for the person who wants to live, their family might be saying, well, gosh, you know, you could be, you know, killing yourself. You know, why don't you just get one of those pills and, and do yourself in, you know, instead of costing us all of this money, instead of having us do all of these things for you. And now that it's legal, now that it's so easy, I mean, there are countries there in, uh, in the Netherlands, they were talking about, I don't know if they've passed it yet, but they were talking about trying to give access to everybody over 70, the little euthanasia pill, and um, just to make it very, very easy. And so uh, there's the, the concern then that for people that want to live, in, in, in trying to give people this, uh, this autonomy, um, it really is undermining the autonomy of many people who want to live. And so I would say that we have to be very careful that we don't let the very difficult cases um, create bad law. And so I, I, I disagree with the idea of legalizing uh, euthanasia. I think that there are lots of ways through palliative care where um, suffering can can be um, reduced and controlled. And, uh, and and many of the people who seek euthanasia do not seek it because of suffering. They seek it because they uh, want to die with dignity. And and I I don't like even when people say that, because that implies, and I mean, actually that doesn't just imply, I mean, that, that outright says that the person who chooses to live and who, who cannot perhaps take care of themselves and is bedridden, do they not have dignity? Is that, is, is, that's what they're saying, that that person lacks dignity. And I've got a problem with that. That person doesn't lack dignity. That person's a human being. And whether you're a Christian and you view that person as, as having been formed in the image of God or whether you're a secularist, that person has dignity. And uh, 
just because they're in a reduced state, that person has dignity. And, um, and I just, I don't like it when people say that and they think that they're wrong. And, um, and just because some people perhaps may have too much pride uh, with needing help, that, that doesn't mean that their dignity is reduced. But anyway, we'll, we'll have uh, a lot more discussion uh, on this subject. Go ahead, Matt. Um, <clears throat> yeah, let's be quick. I'd rather have um, good intentions than uh, manipulative bad intentions, quite frankly. And telling people that they have no value because they're gay, that they're going to go to be burnt and uh, they're going to be discarded with, Telling people that there's a God that will only treat them well if they confess love to that God is not giving those people value. The whole of Christianity is just utterly riddled. It is sick with manipulated bad intentions. So frankly, I'd much rather have good intentions. Our life here on earth is short. And at the end, that's it. That gives our life the most precious commodity it could possibly have, which is time. If you live forever, then time is of minimal value. So let's treat what we have here on this earth with as much greatness and as much respect as we possibly can, because that's literally all we've got. Now, I've had the displeasure of watching somebody dear to me deteriorate and, and die from cancer it took three years and it was not a pleasant experience in fact when I was going through sorry when they were going through that I described the experience of watching that as constant emotional torture it is an utterly terrible thing to have to happen this person's death was not the dignity of this person's demise was not improved by extending the worst part of their life. You do not give dignity to anybody by extending the process of their death. It, it just is, there is absolutely nothing that's dignified about that at all. If you're going to give somebody dignity, you're going to be with them and you're going to give them what they wish for. We have this concept of if we have if we see an animal in enormous pain the humane thing to do is to put it out of its misery that's dignified that's respectful yet for some reason because of religion we're incapable of giving that same respect that same dignity to our fellow humans when we can actually converse with them and hear what they want on my podcast, more than a year ago, we had the wonderful Dave Warnock from Dying Out Loud. I suggest that you Google Dave Warnock Dying Out Loud. And he's got a story about this and about his public decision that when it comes, when his sickness gets too much for him, he's going to make that decision on when and where to end his life because that's what he wants. He wants to be able to choose 
the how and the when. And he wants it to be when he's still able to do that. He doesn't want that period of beyond that point to be an undignified wasting away into nothing. And people who are close to him and people that love him dearly have said to him, we will be with you there at that end because we love you and we respect you and we want to share that moment with you because we want you to be dignified. I can't think of things that are much more beautiful than that, of being with somebody there at that moment. I, sorry, this is going on a little bit longer than I, than I anticipated, just one final thing. Um, somebody else that I know, somebody I care about deeply, um, his mother was struggling with cancer and her end was near and she was going through some treatment and she was really ill and she went to, he accompanied her to the doctor for a visit and his mother said to the doctor i've had enough no more treatment this is just too much for me i'm not having enough life in the, in amongst this treatment uh, because for those who don't know cancer treatment is terrible you have a couple of you have a week a, a session of cancer treatment then you have a couple of weeks of really awful experience then you might have one week of goodness then you've got more treatment again so actually the amount of value you have in life when you're undergoing cancer treatment is actually quite low under certain types of cancer treatment and so she was going through this kind of cancer treatment and so she said to doctor enough i've had enough i just don't want any more and um her son who was there with her persuaded her to carry on with the treatment um and then after a couple of months she said no that's it i just can't do this anymore it's just too much and uh her son and I had a very frank conversation after she died. And he said to me, he recalled that moment to me. And he said, you know, Matthew, I made the wrong decision there. I should have listened to what my mother was saying to me. I should have given her respect and dignity in that moment. But instead, I was just focused on what I wanted. And so this time of life is precious. And I think we minimize the whole experience of life by denying people some of that choice and some of that control. We've heard a little about uh, autonomy. You're denying people autonomy when you deny them this choice. Probably the most critical choice they could possibly make in their entire life. And you want to take that away from them? How undignified is that? I think I'll leave it uh, there. I could ramble on for longer, but that's the essential message that I want to give here. So, let me let me put a, pull out a, a, some threads from both of your uh, speeches. Uh, the first note I took was um, uh, "God owns our life." Uh, Teddy had said something like this, and I just want <clears throat> to speak for a moment, get some feedback uh, on this idea of ownership, because at a at a very fundamental level, uh, this is about property rights. Now, I, I know that, that that sounds crass and cheapening, but uh, there's, there's an element of that that we can't ignore. And the property right is, the, the property is your life. And the right uh, is a right of ownership. 
And the question is, who owns your life? We use uh, terms like self-possession, which is to literally say you possess yourself. But if you believe that God owns your life, you cannot ever have self-possession um, because you, you are not yours to possess. And I think that pretty much all skeptics would say that God does not own their life, but some skeptics might say, but the community owns your life. So you don't solely own your life. I think there's room for skeptics to say that. I would say that you are the sole ownership of the sole owner of your life. Um, and so let's, let's see where that goes. Teddy, um, do, do you see where there, there could be some issue there uh, in terms of life ownership? Who, who I, I want to give you a chance to take a run at that without feeling like you're making um, just some, some Christian platitude or bumper sticker. Who owns a person's life? know if it matters who owns it so long as we have free will i think it does matter who owns it um i have free will i can rob a bank but i don't own that money uh and if i start to possess it i still don't own that money so i'm, I'm not sure how those two things go together who owns a person's life you're caught unless you're caught with you know if you steal the money if, if you you know make out with it and nobody catches you you're still good but I, okay i mean well i mean you're you're doing the possession is nine tenths of the law uh kind of thing which is not actually a moral position at all so i'll ask again who owns a person's life again because you know i'm gonna i'm gonna pull your argument kind of like where we don't have god right in front of us uh saying you know, clarifying for everyone to see, hey, I own, you know, your life. So, so if, so that ownership is going to be in dispute. So if, if I tell you that, hey, my, my life is owned by God, you, you can say, well, no, it's not. And I can tell you that, hey, David, your life is owned by God. And you're going to tell me, no, it's not. So the most that we can really do in reality is just say, well, we, we do have free will. Um, but as a Christian, yes, I do believe that my life is, is owned by God. Uh, but that still does not stop me from using my free will to take my life. So there's, there's the position that, uh, if you don't own your life, you can't have free will. Um, <clears throat> this this i this idea came to me came to me this original idea came to me while you were speaking anyway um, <laughs> it's um, the chat room people um <clears throat> go ahead well i mean i think you could be given free will to, to do it uh but i mean regardless we have free will. So, you know, there are Christians who, who take their lives. I mean, there are Christians who, who get depressed over things and, 
and you take their lives. And so it happens. Excuse me. I, I just had another insight. Lol. I'm sorry. Um, that's... <laughs> I, I should quit reading the chat. Hey, Matthew, you're in charge of the chat. Just I, I have no self-control. You keep jumping I, on in front of me. That's why. I see it coming on the screen, and I just have it just goes right out of my mouth. Um, look, um, Teddy, you don't seem to be comfortable with this question, and uh, you're usually uh, a bit more self-assured. Uh, I, I get the feeling that you have not considered this question before of who owns a life, because from a Christian perspective, you just automatically assume that God owns everything. Yeah. Um, it, and create it unless you, unless you right. give it. I mean, so I, part I mean, part of that argument that the Christian gives about suicide is if you kill yourself or euthanasia, if you have yourself killed you're actually stepping on God's property rights because you didn't have the right to end that life. I mean, well, okay, so hold on. Let's, let's back it up. I mean, I don't know that I, we're created in the image of God. We are commanded to not murder. All right, so we are told what, what we're not supposed to do. We're told that our body is a, our temple uh, or it's a temple, you know, and we're supposed to treat it that way. So I don't, I don't know that, uh, I'm not quite sure if the Bible speaks to whether our, we are God's property or not, but I don't know if that's really relevant. We are still commanded not to kill and we are created in the image of God. So what does it matter who's, you know, whether we own our bodies or not, we're still told by our creator not to kill. And that would include ourselves. Okay. That's a, that's a separate argument and maybe we'll get to it. But the argument that I'm speaking of very specifically is an argument that suggests that uh, if that because we are God's property, that we have our, our lives belong to God, that we have no right to take it. I'm I'm commenting specifically on that because I find that a particularly poisonous idea. Uh, that whatever God does to our life, even if it's torturous for us we have to deal with it because that's what god wanted this life to be for us and he gets the, he he is the only one who gets to say when our life stops but if somebody's going to be so good about following the rules with god on that then they should be following the rules about not killing um so they wouldn't be committing suicide regardless. Well, I think I think that kind of muddies the waters and mixes things up a little bit because it's it's still a little bit of a matter of property now, isn't it? Because if you own a goat and your neighbor owns a goat, you don't have a right to kill your neighbor's goat, but you've got a right to kill your own goat. Uh, so it, it's a matter of who the life belongs to. 
but God didn't say don't kill goats. So God put goats so that we can kill them. So property rights are relevant there, but I'm saying that I don't think that um, property rights in terms of killing oneself are relevant in this particular situation because there are other overriding uh, issues in terms of the command to not killing or not murdering. Did I, did I hear you correctly in your opening speech to say that you do think that uh, palliative care is justified in some situations? Well, of, of course, when people- Okay, so people, that's a yes, right? Yeah, when people- Okay, are, palliative care is killing, isn't it? <clears throat> no, it, it's not. Oh, really? Sometimes there's a double effect, but that's that's. Well, okay, if you take a lethal dose of poison, you have killed yourself, have you not? You don't. People. Palliative have, care, to, to be clear, is taking a lethal dose of poison. Well, not with people who know what they're doing. There is a distinction between a lethal dose and a dose that is meant to to take care of the pain and sometimes you know certain doses will eventually cause the death but the distinction is it, it, there's it, a it's a controlled overdose that's it, what it is there's a distinction and sometimes on the outset it can look the same okay help me understand the distinction you're you're just trying to redefine palliative care palliative care is when someone is in so much pain and morphine is a an effective way of relieving pain but it's also a dangerous poison and when you take too much of it your heart stops the purpose the purpose of palliative care is to die by painkiller as opposed to dying by pain you're not just Okay, it's not like somebody just goes into the doctor and say, hey, doc, give me an overdose of morphine. That's not how it works. Um, what they're Okay, does anyone go into palliative care for the purpose of uh, living a full, uh, long life? Or do they go into it planning to die from the care? That's because they are dying. Okay, okay but they're and so they're just choosing their form of death, right? Yes. What they're doing is they're they're having their pain controlled. Okay, and so so let me let me explain what it's called the doctrine of double effect. Okay, and that just I'll let you finish, but that just sounds like bullshit. So that you don't have to say uh, that it's a person killing themselves. Not because what euthanasia is is when somebody thinks that life is no longer valuable and worth living and and because a lot of people who want euthanasia are saying oh i do not feel like um i want to die with or they're saying i want to die with dignity or i'm not getting enough enjoyment out of life or i'm a burden on my family so okay you're just talking about reasons that's not that has nothing to do with why palliative care isn't euthanasia let me know but no this is where it is important because for example if i'm in a car and if i end up intentionally running somebody over that's murder if um if somebody 
is intoxicated and they run somebody over, then that could be um, a reckless type of homicide. If somebody is driving and then somebody just runs in front of them in the street, then that can be an accident. So depending on what happens, there are different degrees. This does not sound like an intellectually honest argument at all. Here's a, let me let me let me see if I can break it down to something that is even clearer. Uh, I'm a person who suffers from a lot of knee pain uh, sometimes, not constantly, thank goodness, but sometimes it's really bad. Uh, can, would it be okay if I got palliative care for my knee pain, my non-life-threatening knee pain? That would be okay then, right? Because well, palliative care is not suicide and it's not euthanasia. <laughs> so that, that should be fine, right? Maybe we should define what palliative <clears throat> Care is. Wait a minute. Yes or no? Palliative <laughs> care for knee pain, good or bad? Maybe we should define what palliative is. That, is that a yes? Is that a no? I think we need to define what we're talking okay, about. Okay. It's a you don't want to answer it because you no, understand think, that you're talking bullshit. No, I'm, I'm saying perhaps we need to define what we're talking about with palliative care because I don't think, I don't, I'm not sure that we're talking about the same thing. Well, I, I have already defined it. So if you got another definition for it, okay. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Okay, I'm talking about when somebody is in massive pain Check. and they need painkillers. Check. Okay, so, so I'm saying- I have painkillers. I've got oxycodone in my cabinet I'm right now. I don't take it, but I've got it. I'm saying that people should not be- required. Send it to me. No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. Not be required to live in um, severe pain. And Great. So, so, uh, so I call for palliative care. My knee hurts. I'd like to, uh, you know, go on the morphine. Uh, why would I not be able to do that? Since it's not killing myself, there's, there's no death implication there. If you are having severe knee pain, then you should be able to get a certain amount of something. Would you call it palliative care? I, I, don't I, know, I don't know what I would call it. But okay. What the only reason you don't know is because you're being intellectually, intellectually dishonest. Palliative care is an end of life treatment to, so that a person can die by poison as opposed to dying by pain. And you can try to dress that up any way you want to. Palliative care is suicide by other means. It is not. It is not because suicide is when a person is saying, my life, I don't want to live. So for example, if somebody has- Well, wait a minute. All you're doing is judging that they had, don't have a good reason. And I don't care about your judgment for someone else's good reason. There's Definitionally, palliative care is a way that a person can end their life in a different way than the, than the thing that they are suffering from. There is a difference between whether somebody wants to die and whether somebody is dying and they want to be relieved of pain. So, Well, so arguably a person suffering emotional pain and who wants to commit suicide also wants to be relieved of pain. Okay, so the point is, is that a lot of times there are pills for that, antidepressants. And, and you know what? You don't need a physician to do that. There are lots of things. 
Well, there, there's, there's uh, cancer treatments for cancer sufferers, and you can't say that it would never work because uh, tumors go away spontaneously all the time. It's not actually a miracle. Sometimes the body just does it. And so why should you ever let someone stop treatment if there's a possibility that they could be healed? How do you know all the time that the body uh, does it that those aren't miracles? Okay, doesn't matter. Miracles, not miracles, irrelevant. You can call them what you want to. The fact is it happens. And so you're giving someone a way to step out of the pain cycle and not uh, actually live through it because maybe God has a miracle plan for them uh, in the ninth month of their hell uh, and they want to get out in the eighth month. What gives them the right to get out? Let, let me tell y'all a secret, okay? And it's a bit of a poorly kept secret. Most people uh, who want euthanasia, I mean, a, a few people are in this situation to where they are unable to do it themselves, okay? I mean, there are some people that are just completely bedridden, but a lot of these people, they can go out and do things that can cause uh, themselves just commit suicide. You don't need to have it legal. What, what method of suicide would you recommend that you there think are, is dignified? There are tons of, oh, oh, you see, they want, these people want to have their suicide medical, medicalized. Kind they, of they, it, they want to die in they want to die in a way that they deem dignified and not with their brains all over the carpet want, so that their loved one has to see them that way they they, want you know maybe maybe there is a certain consideration here other than cutting your throat and bleeding out in the bathtub because that uh will create trauma for other, uh, other people who uh, are there maybe maybe that it does matter how you do it there are lots of things that people can do. And, and you know, we don't need to get into all of that. Well, can we get into one? Because you seem to think that that's, so, you know, if they don't, if, if they really want to die, they can just do it themselves. And that's there's no good reason why it can't be done in a medical procedure. Now, you were in favor of euthanasia earlier. Now you're not in favor of it. And you're I, saying, no, well, double Effect is different because a doctor that is giving pain medication, they know what they are not just giving pain medication to say, hey, let's kill the person. Now, does that happen? Maybe it does. And, I, and in those situations, that's not right. What what I'm talking about is where a doctor is just giving enough pain medication, enough morphine or whatever in order to get rid of the pain. And if that amount that is necessary to kill the pain also happens to kill the person, then so be it. Yeah, that's bullshit. Let me tell you why that's bullshit. I've been in the hospital. I've been in the hospital a lot, um, honestly. And this is, this is not an area of expertise I want to have. Uh, but I absolutely do have some of this uh, just experientially. When you were in the hospital and you're in some pretty pretty rough condition, but the chance of you surviving are pretty good. You've just got to go through hell for a while to do it. Uh, there is a certain amount of morphine and or uh, pain medicine that they will give you and no more. And the reason they will not give you more is because more would be dangerous and you could die. 
So when they are trying to keep you alive, there is a certain amount of pain medicine you will not get. And you can lie there and scream to high heaven for days and it will not matter because you will not get another drop. Palliative care is just the opposite. They give you enough pain medicine to do the job. Secret, you're also not dying. So that doesn't, so you're not- uh, But but you see, you are, this is, this is my point. The whole point of the kidding. dose of pain medicine they allow you to have with palliative care is so that you can die from that. Now, if you've got a person that is not dying, that they have a lot of pain, well, you're not going to give them so much pain relief that you're going to then risk a, a, a healthy person that can still have a healthy life, uh, risk having them- over. But you can risk an unhealthy person. Sorry, can I just jump in here? People was, who are healthy don't go into give, palliative care. I was just about to give you the mic uh, anyway. Uh, so let's that. let's just let's just take a quick break here, Teddy. You and me both. I'm going to turn off my mic. Uh, I'm going to go get some. some we tag teaming delicious diet, Dr. Pepper. Um, and um, Matt, uh, you have the floor. Uh, Russell, if you're still there, if you want to have some conversation with Matt for a little bit, uh, go ahead and join in. Uh, Matt, make sense of this. People, you said something about these people aren't dying, but they are. That's the whole point of palliative care. These are seriously ill people who are in massive amounts of pain sometimes and are dying. They're not healthy people. No, no, I was, I was referring to David's when David was talking about how, oh, if somebody's hurting their knee and they're in a lot of pain, but they're not, they don't have, they're not in a terminal situation I okay, was but those, okay but those people aren't going to get those levels of that's what i'm saying killer. you can be in in a situation where you're in a lot of pain but the doctor's not going but if you're not in some sort of a terminal situation the doctor doesn't care how much pain they're getting you're in they're not going to give you those high levels of morphine or whatever because they're not going to risk putting you in a in an overdose situation that's that's what I was saying. So I think we were getting our signals. Okay. Wrong. All right. Fair enough. Yes. Yes. But so so for clarification, then, what is your when is the right person? Sorry. Let me rephrase. When is it okay to assist somebody or to help somebody along in their death? Well, in, in terms of palliative care, in terms of when somebody no, I, I don't I don't mean a context. I mean, when is a situation? Is there ever a situation where it's okay to help somebody along in their death? Okay, so my position on the whole euthanasia business, I do not believe that it should be legalized because I, I think that it, it has the ability to cause harm to people that want to live, okay? Um, in terms of putting a burden on the elderly and, and certain people with disabilities and there's bracket creep, we'll get into all of that later on. Um, so it, because of the harm that it can cause, so let, let's just take religion out of it. Let's just talk about it strictly from a public policy perspective. I think that there's the ability for it to cause harm. And we have seen in some of these other countries where it's at, 
where that's been going on. Um, Have you got a reference to that? Pardon? Yes. Have you got a reference to somebody who was encouraged to die who shouldn't have? Well, they're they're seeing. Is there a case study that lists those? Well, like in the Netherlands, there are situations where at first they were saying this is just going to be for people who are consenting, who have terminal illnesses, but then it started to open up to, I mean, now it's for a woman who was uh, losing her eyesight and, and she got it. And, and in Australia, the psychiatrists and stuff, I, I think that they have now, because Australia had physician-assisted suicide and I believe that thou, they have now reversed it. I haven't had a, a chance, because initially I was, um, reading something that was talking about how Australia had physician assisted suicide, but I think that that was an older article. And then I, I heard something that seemed to say that they've reversed it because of what the psychiatrists were saying, that so many people are coming to them um, where, you know, they're, they're just telling the psychiatrist what they want to hear in order to get the pills. And so the psychiatrists are seeing the fraud going on in order to get the, the little magic pill. And so um, I think they've reversed it. If somebody in the chat room might might check that out to see. How, how can that be fraud, uh, Teddy? Well, it sounds like there are people when given the chance to die, there are a lot of people who want to do it. Now, you have to square with the idea that life is not great for a lot of people mm -hmm. and good options to get out of it have not really been available and so once again it seems like a matter of property ownership that if it's my life and i'm feeling tortured by it i should have the chance to escape it and you were saying no if if you actually make it available people would do it um well, yes, people would do it. People who want to escape it will escape it. And I'm I'm trying to understand what you think the harm. I, a couple of times I've heard you say uh, it started off as uh, just consent, but I haven't heard you say anything con contradicting that. These are people consenting to die. But then it moves on. But then they started moving on to uh, to infants, and then to children, and then to people with with disabilities and then to uh, people who are frail. And you know, so it, it has a way of- I, I don't understand what you mean. I don't, uh, it, it moved on to people. Well, first of all, people who are frail probably want to die in many cases, but what do you mean by infants? Well, certain certain infants that are, you know- What certain infants? Babies are born with, with ailments that are not deemed to, um, uh, oh, they won't be able to have a good life, so let's kill them. Okay, uh, can can I would like to see your sourcing on that. Uh, I, I'd like to see what the heck you're talking about. I, can, I might be able to help there. I've got a headline here I can okay. read out to you. I can't read the whole article, obviously, but the headline says, and I'm just looking at let me just get a date for context. This is October, 2020, so a couple of years ago. The Dutch government, sorry, a year ago, 
the Dutch government has approved plans, so plans, not law, just plans, to allow euthanasia for terminally ill children aged between 1 and 12. So terminally ill, that's the key phrase here. That's not uncomfortable, that's not uh, unhappy, that's terminally ill. What they've got is going to kill them. So let's have some dignity and not let them suffer any more than they need to. But here's here's the interesting thing. There's this lady, Diane um, Meyer, and she is a professor, um, I forget, she's out of New York. She used to be back in the mid 1990s, a very, very staunch advocate for euthanasia. And now she is the opposite. I don't give a damn. What, um, what point are you making? Point, but one of the things she's talking about, she's talking about the safeguards, how they don't work. She talks about how. This okay, what, safe, what safeguards, what do you mean by it doesn't work? I mean, I, these seem like platitudes that, that talking points that are empty. Give me an example of the kind of horror that you think is, is the cause of this. Okay, so let's see, let's get into the word terminal. First well, of wait, wait, wait. give me an example. I, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to give you one that I was watching a debate among nothing but physicians debating euthanasia, and they were discussing how really beyond, you know, the last 48 hours, or, you know, 48 hours before somebody's death, you really can't be sure that somebody's going to die unless you were just pumping them uh, full of meds to where you can pretty much be sure that they're going to die. But, you know, when some, when they're saying that somebody's got a terminal illness, you don't know how long they've got to live. Physicians are notoriously- um, What's your point? Incapable of, of being- Right, they're not prophets. What's your point? Well, that, that, that physicians are not prophets. So, so we- Right, so what's your point? We shouldn't be killing people based on thinking that, oh, they've got a term. Whoa, 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 whoa. We are not killing people. What do you mean we shouldn't be killing why people? Should, why should there is no we. Why should a parent get to kill their infants based on, oh. Parents make all kinds of decisions for infants, like medical care, uh, when when they get it and when they don't. But it's it's that that just sounds kind of like a poison pill that you want to throw into the conversation that that has no real world that has no real world uh, example you can point to. So let me give you a real world example. Let me give, let me give you a real world example where I was there. Okay, uh, a, a friend of mine, a good friend uh, of mine, had an emergency. Uh, no need to go into the details. Went into uh, a hospital. I um, got in a car. Went down. Um, and uh, to to be with her and the family, she was she had no brain activity, mm -hmm. uh, no brain activity. She was alive. She, machines were keeping her alive, but uh, but there was nobody home. And uh, the husband went through uh, several days of hand wringing about whether to pull the plug or not. Uh, he uh, eventually did. The doctor. Uh, uh, was able to convince him that that was um, that there was no chance of her coming back. She was on life um, right? So uh, and so he ended her life. 
by removing by removing the machinery that was keeping her alive. That's different. That's different. No, because she was alive. Nope, she was alive artificially. Well, what a minute. But a person with a person with a breathing, say oxygen, an oxygen machine, is alive artificially because the oxygen is giving them uh, life giving oxygen. If you take away the machine, they'll die. Right. But, so but, there are a lot of people with uh, who are walking around with oxygen who are quote unquote can, alive artificially. But that's not euthanasia when you so, well, but yeah, if you take away their oxygen, uh, then they're they're gonna die. Right. But that's okay. nature take its course. And I think we'd we'd probably call that in that case murder if they didn't want to die. Uh, if they did want to die and they didn't mind dying uh, with suffocation, they would just unhook their oxygen or have someone do it for them. Uh, so what I am telling you in a hospital, when someone is quote unquote alive and will continue to be indefinitely, um, just because they don't have any experience of the world, I don't see how that has any bearing on the Christian argument anyway. Uh, it takes someone to decide to stop them from living. That is a third party euthanasia. Yes, but but that third, there's a reason we don't call that murder. But the third party is the one that inserted an artificial means of keeping them alive too. So you can argue that third party was interfering with the natural. Process. That's a bogus argument. If a person suffered some kind of uh, lung issue from their lifetime of smoking cancer, and they went in the hospital and they weren't conscious, and the doctor fixed them uh, up enough and put a breathing uh, tube in them. Uh, you know, put them on oxygen, they wake up there on oxygen, someone else kept them alive artificially, you still can't take that oxygen away from them without their consent. Your yeah. argument is bankrupt. No, it's not bankrupt. The difference is, and no, in terms of the person who has an oxygen machine, and if, if, if they decide to shut off the machine, because they're depressed and don't want to live, but they're capable of still living, then that would count as suicide. But what do you mean capable of still living? Like, let's say if they, okay, so for example, I have, I know people who have COPD and who have, you know, to have oxygen. So yeah, if they didn't have their oxygen, they would- Artif So they're alive artificially. So if, you know, let's just say that they got suicidal because they got depressed over something and then they just decided, well, I'm not going to use my oxygen because that's going to be how I'm going to commit suicide. Well, so sure, they could manipulate the situation to where that's how they commit suicide. I mean, it all boils down to intent. So sure, they could. So what about the intent of the person laying on a hospital bed with no uh, readable brain activity, but they are technically alive and someone else has to make the decision to kill them or not? That's just the removal of an artificial means of maintaining life. But the result is exactly the same, though. There's the, the end result is the same. So why are you quibbling about the but methodology? You're not killing them. You're just moving a means of extraordinary support well are they alive during that extraordinary support or not 
They are, but all you Okay, and so if you if you make them not alive, then you're killing them, right? No, 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 because Yeah, they are performing an action and the end result of that action is somebody's death. It doesn't matter what it is that's being done. You were not making an affirmative action that kills. You were taking away an extraordinary measure of life support that is artificial that, that serves no purpose but and then you're just letting nature take it but it does it does perform a purpose the purpose is to keep them alive there's no there's no um there's no purpose that has a uh a, a benefit to the person themselves that would cause other humans to want to interfere with. I can't imagine why you wanted to talk about this subject. Um, this is this is not your finest hour. But it, let me let me see if I can. That makes sense. I mean, <laughs> it's an extraordinary measure. It's when you remove life support, that is not an affirmative act of killing someone. That is the removal. This is the kind of this is the kind of mental contortions that Christians go through so that they can uh, get through life and sleep at night. Okay, no, no, no. Okay. So, so when you take a baby out of a woman, you're removing the baby from its life support, so it's not killing. Okay. Oh, an abortion is an actual no. An abortion, you're sucking the baby out. That is dismembering a baby. That is that that is an affirmative act. Well, um, and now. The thing, for example, if somebody has cancer mm -hmm. and if they realize that the cancer has progressed so bad that there's no more point in taking chemotherapy, mm -hmm. is that person trying to commit suicide by not taking chemotherapy? No, but they're not. They just see that there's no more point in taking chemotherapy because you know, what they understand is that it, it, there's no more point to it. Okay, let's take palliative yeah, so they care know that out they, of the... Yes, yeah, sorry, can I run with this for a bit? Sorry, David. Um, so the whole cancer thing. So yeah, so the, the whole dying of cancer thing, I mentioned this right at the top, it's terrible for some cancers specifically. It's an absolutely awful way to go. And there is no recovery from some cancers. And it can go on for a couple of years. And it's a terrible lingering death and sometimes it can be accompanied by constant pain as well what is the problem with short-circuiting that because there is no recovery there is no get out of this the only out is death why is it so bad to cut those years short and go you know what i've had my life there is no life left let's be done with it well there are all sorts of new things that first of all come up they come up with they won't take the cancer cells out of your body and give you a life you're dying with, they come up like car t cell therapy and i mean there are all sorts of new things i mean nowadays there's a thing called chronic cancer where people live with cancer for quite a while okay Yes, with some cancers, but I'm telling you specifically there are some, pancreatic cancer being one very horrible example, where 
five years is considered a good thing. Usually it's quite a lot less and it is a terrible way to go. There is no recovery from that. I, I agree, uh, or at least so far there's not. Um, but, I, and I had a, I have a friend whose father uh, passed away from that and it was a matter of months from the time they diagnosed him. To, uh, but, you know, that's, you know, what palliative care is for. And you know, those people- But there's, there's no dignity in that though. That was my point at the top. There is no dignity in that. I've watched somebody die. It was nearly three years this suffering was from pancreatic cancer. I've watched it and it's utterly, utterly terrible. become less dignified because they're in a, a frail state. They're dignified because they're humans. And so give them what they want and be dignified about it. The problem is, and again, let's just, let's take religion out. Let's just talk public policy. The problem is, is that when you, when you give them that, then you're going to have people say, bring an exact same situation, but then it's going to be just a little bit different. And, and, and we see that happening and so then it becomes well what about this person and then who's to say when we talk about autonomy you're denying them autonomy though you're really your policy is denying them autonomy but, but the thing is what about how when you legalize euthanasia aren't you in many ways um starting to deny other people who want to live autonomy by now making them feel guilty and putting pressure on them to where Who's they're doing that. There, Who's doing that? There is, there is the pressure of people who there's going to be the, the pressure. A lot of older people already feel if they can't take care of themselves, that they're burdening their families. And so if, if euthanasia becomes legal, then they may feel like, well, gosh, you know, now that I've got the option to where I can go get that little pill, you know, maybe I should take myself out, you know, and maybe my children are, are looking at me thinking, well, why doesn't he, you know, I wish he would just. Let, let me jump so, back yeah, in okay, so, okay, so there's, okay. A, there's two things here. There's, a, there's, a, there's an issue here. Before it's legal for how to have euthanasia, you are already acknowledging that there are some elderly people who feel that they're a pressure that feel that they're a burden. So that's a societal pressure. That's not a problem with euthanasia. That's a problem with society because euthanasia in your country and in my country is not legal. It is absolutely outlawed. Well, there might be some technicalities, but it's technically outlawed. And you're saying before it's even legal, there are elderly people who feel that they're under pressure. That's a society problem. That's not a euthanasia problem. So making euthanasia, stop it, stop it, wait. Making euthanasia easier does not exacerbate that problem. The problem is somewhere else that we need to fix it. Euthanasia is about those people who can't live and no longer want to live because their life is effectively over. Let's cut short the pain and let them have their exit door. It is not adding pressure to these elderly. That is a separate issue which we need to resolve separately. It's not a euthanasia problem. It's a society problem. I think you're trying, though, to give a medical problem to... It's not a problem, though. 
It's not a me it's not medical or otherwise. It's not a problem. It's a solution. It You're trying to give a medical solution to a psychological or a spiritual problem. You said take religion out of it. Why you mentioned spiritual? Well, I mean, you can still be spiritual because remember, uh, lots of atheists or, or people who aren't necessarily Christian will say, "Oh, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious." So, um, you know. Uh, so my point is, let's just say psychological, so people can be depressed. Um, I think that when when you when you make it legal, it puts a burden on the elderly to take the, if if they're not self. But we've just agreed that that burden on the elderly people it pre-exists the well, idea of euthanasia. Once you make it legal for them to to easily get a pill to commit suicide then i think you're i think you're under i think you're underestimating how simple it is it's not just i want to die doctor give me the pill the doctor hands you over a brown packet it's not that kind of transaction actually they're saying um as i was listening to these doctors talk about euthanasia they were talking Are these about christian doctors who've got a who've got a, an iron in the fire I don't think they were. I mean, they were they were talking because they were discussing how in Portugal. Okay, I can't take it anymore. Okay, I'm I'm fit to burst. I'm going to burst. Okay, um, go, David. This is going to be ugly. Um, I'm bursting. Burst. Some of the off camera parts are already exploding. Just <laughs> let me get myself back together. All right. First of all, Teddy, you are moving the goalposts so fast that we're not even in a football stadium anymore we're on a baseball diamond and i don't know what the goalposts are doing there um just leave them alone for a minute and we see if we can focus on one thing at a time and maybe stop taking theology out when it's convenient and putting it back in when it's convenient maybe maybe stop that um your the point that you keep trying to go back to when you take theology out of it um is that somehow if you grant people autonomy and freedom to do with their bodies and their lives what they want to it might encourage other people to do with their bodies with their lives what they want to i didn't say that i don't care your argument is bankrupt and it is exactly the same argument that christians make about every other thing that where they want to control someone's life and choices if you allow gay marriage then christians might that that's going to affect us somehow and that's going to make christians uh feel like their marriage is devalued if you if you allow uh uh polyamory and uh three-way marriages that's going to make christians feel inferior uh with their uh, marriages and they're going to want to experiment and they're going to, if you allow uh, some people to take marijuana legally, then other people are going to want to take it and that's going to affect Christians and you, you can't shut up. I don't give a flying fuck what, what someone else does because I exercised my freedom. That is not an argument and that does not give you the right to control or limit my freedoms because it might encourage someone else to, oh, God forbid, exercise theirs. You 
know what? In terms of freedoms, all of these people that want to die, you know what? They can do like all of these other people who accidentally die of drug overdoses or 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 suicides. I mean, let them kill themselves. Okay, okay. I want to just understand that argument because it's the second time you made it. Are you saying that suicide is okay? I'm saying... Is it okay, yes or no? I'm not endorsing it. I'm not endorsing it. I am saying that we have free will. and if Because if you're saying that suicide is okay, then we're just haggling over the method at this point. I did not say that it is okay. I am saying... Okay, then why do you... I don't understand why you keep going to that. I am saying that a lot Leave the goalposts alone. I am saying that a lot of people want euthanasia to be legalized. And I am just arguing, I mean, I don't know that we've even said what we're arguing over, but I'm just saying that I- I'm arguing over the right for a person to choose the time and manner of their death. And if that, and and one of those times and manners uh, would include a physician assisted uh, method. Same as with palliative care. And so if you can offer palliative care for a person who is suffering and whose death is imminent uh, because they feel like that is the better option for them, then you should be able to offer some similar care to someone else. The, The real argument here, Teddy, is that you as a Christian, won't you exercise right to choose for someone else when it is okay for them to die. And if you don't think it's okay, then it ain't okay. And if you do think it's okay, then you say, well, we have palliative care for you, we can talk. I don't care what you think is okay because we're not negotiating what someone else thinks is okay about my death. I'm saying that every person has free will and I can't stop somebody from committing suicide so they don't meet so if you want to talk about autonomy everybody unless they are uh bedridden or a quadriplegic or you know something in that sort of situation right so uh, leave them out because that's just a poison pill people have the ability to most people do have the ability to commit suicide if they want to they don't have to uh have this is this is this is why i started with palliative care and so why shouldn't one of the options excuse me why shouldn't why shouldn't one of the options for committing suicide be uh some type of suicide pill that is painless and is excuse me why excuse me maybe it shouldn't be so easy well, Maybe. wait, but that's that's the judgment you are making, though. On the one breath, you're saying people can commit suicide if they want to. On the other hand, you're saying, but it should be awful. No, I didn't say it should be awful. I'm just OK, saying- then. So why then shouldn't there be some dignified, easy to use suicide pill for people who want that option? I'm just saying, how do you know that little kids aren't going to get into it, The teenagers who are you know, just That's not an argument. I'm, even, I'm not even going to address it. That's ridiculous. Give me an intellectually honest argument why it's that shouldn't ridiculous. exist. It's not ridiculous. They're, they're... It is ridiculous. We have all kinds of things that are dangerous that kids can get into. Don't don't try to make that the boogeyman. Why is it that someone can't go to a doctor and get a pill 
uh, that is prescribed for suicide so that they can go out in the same way that someone with palliative care can go out with some aspect of dignity. Think about all the street drugs that kids score. Okay, so street drugs for suicides, palliative care for um, cancer I mean, patients. Let me, let me move on to a, a different point because I think we're going in circles and you are making less sense the more you talk. I Mostly, not, I enjoy you making less I sense. I am not making less sense. Let's, let's talk about one other issue before we go. I promised the audience there wouldn't be any uh, shouting and screaming. I've done very little... Uh, accept that um let's move let's move to one final point uh that you talked about and i want to um i want to try to <laughs> talk about this without yes, shouting and screaming uh this idea of dignity dying with dignity uh you are you are suggesting that there is no such thing as an undignified death i disagree uh and your idea of dignity is in fact very much a religious idea. You're saying that we are dignified because we're human. Um, at, at the very least, you're, you're, you're speaking metaphysically as if it's impossible to be without dignity. And yet the word dignity exists, suggesting that its opposite also exists in dignity. And yet when it comes to death, well, there's no way that that could be undignified. But in other things, I imagine you think it is true that we could be undignified. Is that correct? Many cultures. I'm sorry. Is that correct? You think that we could be undignified in, in other aspects? Can humans be undignified? It, can humans be undignified in, in yes. their behavior? Well, sure. Okay, great. Humans can be undignified. Uh, so let's remove the idea that the that humans can be can't be in a state where they don't have dignity what we want for all humans is that they live in a state where they have dignity at least the dignity that they want for themselves so why on earth would you say but in death we there is no such thing as being undignified why is why is death removed from the category of things that could be undignified. I'm saying that somebody who is sick and frail or somebody who is disabled, that there's nothing undignified in that. Well, what if they think it's undignified? Well, who gets to define dignity? I'm just saying. I don't care what you're saying. Who gets to define dignity? Not just the Christian culture. That who gets to define their own dignity? Well, we as a people get to define what our laws are. Well, okay, but I ask you, who gets to define a person's dignity? The moral lawgiver does. Okay, so we are uh, at bottom at a religious impasse and uh, please well, at, at this phase of the conversation don't pretend to say let's let's take the theology out of it question but you asked a religious question so wait a minute that's not a religious question it is it is human yes, human dignity only, is a religious question only, only one person can have that answer okay well you've definitely you've definitely given a religious answer but let me tell you something if I am if I am in my bed, uh, unable to control my bowels, 
lying in uh, diarrhea, pi uh, huge piles of diarrhea and shit and vomit uh, for 30, 40 minutes, unable to move. Let me tell you something that's undignified for me. Let me tell you something else. I have been in that situation. I have been in that situation and I've been very close to death and I certainly didn't want to go on in that condition. Now, dignity, you might look at that and say, oh, that's very dignified. Fuck you, not dignified. David, the dignity does not come from whether you were in that the, the dignity does not come from your opinion. No, the dignity comes from your having value as a human being. I know my that value as a human where, being, and it does not come from anyone else besides you, me. That is where your dignity comes from. That is where all of our radical... So if, if there's comes. no God, are you saying there can be no dignity? There, no dignity without God? People, there are people starving. Yeah, yeah didn't ask that. Are you saying that are you saying that there can be no dignity without God? Their, their face and their mouths and right. in, in in reduced circumstances. Right. And it's it's un, it's undignified if they deem it so. Queen of England, those people have the same Don't. dignity as the Queen of England because they are humans and they are created in the image of God. Now, okay, so it, so it sounds like you're saying there can be no human dignity without God. I don't care about that opinion. If you take God out of the equation, I would still say they are even, they are still... Okay, so we finally gotten God out of the equation because he's stupid. Uh, so where does the dignity come from then? It seems to me like the dignity comes from ourselves. We decide what is dignified and what isn't. Right now, I feel like I'm having a rather undignified conversation, although some might say that it's dignified. I can tell you uh, in certain states of ill health, I have been in very undignified conditions. You might think it's dignified, don't care. Uh, if I feel like dying, uh, with my brains spilled out all over the carpet uh, and covering the remote control and all over the dog, I think that's fairly undignified and maybe a bit inconsiderate while I'm at it. You may, you may not, but I think it is. And so if I want a death that is more dignified to what I consider dignity, why shouldn't I be allowed that? that is why should I be limited to your idea of dignity? The sadness of atheism is that people are just floating around. They're not grounded in anything. Okay, so that that's an unrelated speech. Great. It's um, unrelated. Matt, it's very much related. Matt, tell me about dignity because you have held a very dignified silence. Although some of your facial I expressions, I question the dignity. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just going to mute for a little bit. <laughs> um. I'm going to have to drop off after this spiel. I do apologize for bailing early, but you just have to handle the wind up uh, on, on your own, David. Um, thanks as usual, uh, Teddy. Dignity is a fluid uh, construct. It's difficult, but I don't, I really don't see how religion helps in it because what I've heard is we have free will. 
unless we want to do something that somebody's interpretation, sorry, we have free will unless what we want to do goes against somebody else's interpretation of what God wants us to do. And that's the bit that I really object to. It's not dignified for somebody else to tell me what I can and can't do with the end of my life, because apparently their God, who's not my God, says that I am not allowed to do that. That doesn't feel free, and it certainly doesn't feel dignified, and I want absolutely nothing to do with that kind of argument. I had, I mentioned earlier, sorry, before I get to that bit, Portugal was mentioned. Portugal had a referendum in January of this year about having a death with dignity law. The referendum passed, but it has not actually passed into law. So there's nothing about euthanasia currently in Portugal. So whatever is going on there, nothing's happened because it hasn't gone into law at all yet. Um, so yeah, so I mentioned earlier about somebody close to me uh, dying with cancer. It wasn't pleasant. It was pretty undignified at the end. Well, it, there was nothing pretty about it. It was grossly undignified at the end because of extensions and all that. And I had a very frank conversation with my daughter over this. I said, if this ever happened to me, if I ever caught this cancer, I would not go for treatment because treatment takes so much away from your quality of life that the, there is nothing that you can categorize dig, as being dignified at the end. Now I would say, forget the treatment. Let me just go as quickly as and efficiently as possible because I want to live that life as quickly as I possibly can. And if I have to take a drug to help me along, then also be it. It means I have a little bit of control. And I think that's what makes the end of life more dignified. It's having a little bit of control over your own des destiny. And I think one of the key things here about euthanasia laws is it's all about terminal ill. We've heard mentions about depression and we've mentioned about teenagers having a whim. That is not covered by these euthanasia laws. It's all about being terminally ill and it's all about consent and it's all about people being informed. They always end up sliding. Well, then that's the whole point of laws in, in having them. The laws are there to stop that. But saying you can never have that dignity is not a good excuse because you're worried about somebody slipping down at the other end. It is not a good... You don't... You can't stop somebody going down the slide because one people out of 100 break their ankle at the bottom. You know, you, and the whole point about this is control and people having some kind of concept of will over that whole death day and that is how you give dignity to somebody's end of life I, and I if never, you deny them that you're denying them dignity the two go hand in hand i never finished getting around to something that we were talking about if i could quickly round off and because i'm okay so I don't actually, think... actually, stop. Let's let Matt finish up because he's the no, one. No, I'm pretty much done. I'm quite happy to listen to Teddy's point um, here. So okay. While I do not agree with the idea of euthanasia being legalized, um, I can envision certainly certain situations where, you know, let's say you're out, you know, in the wilderness and there's a situation where somebody's in extreme pain, they're, you know, they're shot, they're dying, they're in extreme pain, um, and you don't want them to suffer, you want to put them out of their misery faster. I, I mean, or, or just whatever. I can see there being certain situations where a person might need to 
do that for a, a loved one uh, or even a stranger who is in extreme pain. I think that what needs to happen is it, it stays illegal, but where prosecutors and judges are given discretion for in the extreme cases, because you know, there's the expression that hard cases make for bad law, but sometimes there are going to be those. Hard yeah, cases. that's ridiculous. If you if you want someone like me to put their hands uh, life in the hands of some prosecutor with discretion to decide whether you, that was a good euthanasia or murder, you are out of your freaking mind. Uh, I won't I won't good law and I want it set in the law that people can take their lives or have someone uh, assist in uh, ending their life. Uh, this idea of let's keep it illegal, but let's let's let it be in the secret control of these few people. Uh, wow, I, I can't believe that you would even suggest a law like that. Do you know how bad that would be for black people? For any minority that that uh, that right. some prosecutors just has some bigoted idea, that's how you want to do law. Let's make it illegal, but we'll let the prosecutor uh, shrug his shoulders if he thinks it's okay. Ensures that it's only in the most. I, I can't imagine that you actually think that's a good way to do law. Teddy. It would only be in the most desperate of cases that that people who have any brains would take the risk of of doing it yeah okay uh I, i'll let you continue though so that if um uh, matthew needs to come back before he goes um he will but this conversation will proceed after that <laughs> you're not getting off that easy <laughs> well i think there are times when discretion is actually a good thing there was a situation in this country a couple of years ago where two siblings got in an argument at home and it got completely out of control and a knife ended up being picked up and one of them died as a result. It was an absolutely tragic situation. Utterly, utterly tragic. There is nothing nice that can be said about that kind of scenario. And the police took discretion into their hands and they felt that it was completely inappropriate to charge any of the people involved here with any kind of crime because enough suffering had been done and it was there was no public benefit to any kind of punishment being done here. And so no charges were brought and the family were helped rather, rather than hindered along by any kind of uh, manslaughter charge. Yeah. I, I think would, that I would is have totally to say, appropriate. I, need to, I would need to understand the, uh, that case because Matt, it sounds like, it sounded to me like you said that there were people in some kind of altercation Physical altercation, I take it. I don't. I don't know. Some. Kind it was of teenage sibling. It was teenage. Sibling. Okay, so so kids were fighting, and then one of them escalated it and picked up a weapon. Yeah, but the, she didn't mean to kill him. She just, you know, decided to pick up a deadly weapon in the fight. I understand. I have siblings. We fought bitterly. Uh, I know what I know what that's like, but once again, I would question that kind of discretion, because it's it's the kind of thing where, well, those people over there seem like good people and they've suffered enough, but this next family over here that went through the same scenario, well, clearly this should at least be manslaughter because they had no business picking up a deadly weapon uh, in the fight. 
it's either it's either uh, you know third degree, which I think it probably would be third degree manslaughter, or it isn't. Um, and so it can't be third degree manslaughter for one person and no crime for another person. No, David, one thing, and I get what you're saying, and I I agree with the with the whole notion of what what you're saying. You're you're talking about you're you're wanting the law to be applied fairly where people aren't um you know, favoring perhaps whites over blacks or the rich over the poor. And I completely agree with you in that respect. But what I don't like with, with what you're suggesting is not looking at every case, the particular fact patterns of every case is, is their own. Because that's one of the important things that you see in the law um, to help bring about the most just conclusions that you look at the particular circumstances of each case. One of the things that to me uh, bring about horrible results a lot of times, and it tends to be lazy, is some, some of these zero tolerance laws. Yeah, you'll get very even application, but wow, can it lead to some very, very unjust results. Um, and sometimes maybe even more unjust results. So I, I don't know, you, there, there has to be a way of, um, of balancing both, both of those things out. Well, I, I, yeah. I, I understand that, but the, what you were suggesting about uh, assisted suicide is that it should be illegal, except, and, and then there should be this kind of backdoor wink, wink. Uh, but if the judge uh, hears your case and deems that you were really worthy, then there will be no sentencing and you will not be guilty of a crime. Uh, and that's at that point, you don't have a law at all. You just have uh, people well, not, in dark robes in back rooms uh, deciding the fate of people who are practicing the same thing. I'm not saying that it's going to be the star chamber. Um, what I'm saying is, I mean, there would probably be some sort of uh, guidelines, for example. Okay, then it wouldn't be illegal. Because what you said is it should be illegal. And here's the thing. If it's if you can do it, hold on. If you can do it, and then the law says you're okay doing it, that's not illegal. And so the only thing that would come of the kind of system you're suggesting is that it would be illegal for some people, but not illegal for others. It, it, it's taken on a case by case basis. To see. Well, but, but no, it's the same case. It's we're we're talking about the same case. You don't you don't take the same case on a case by case basis. If if someone uh, desires a doctor assisted suicide and that is legal, and a doctor assists the suicide, and all of the regulations for that are followed, that is legal. It's the law. It's not the judge deciding. Yeah, but I don't really like that doctor. But I'm not 
or, or uh, you know, case. I'm talking about some sort of an extreme case. I'm not talking. Can about you give me an example where can it I, would be? Can different I jump in on the extreme people? case thing because I, I really need your. I understand the extreme case concern, Teddy. I'm, I'm not not blind to that. I appreciate I've been a bit pushy, but I, I understand the extreme case. The problem with the extreme case is the extreme case, because pick any law, anybody with any imagination can, you, can come up with an extreme case scenario where that law could be misused. You know, let's, take, I could, let's make one up on the spot. Medicine. Medicine is a bad thing because medicine artificially keeps people alive and creates the kind of problems that we're talking about now. So let's just ban all of, all of medicine because then it takes away all of the problems that we're talking about now. There we go. Extreme case, all medicine bad. We should just die the way we're supposed to die and do, do away with all medicine. There you go. There's an extreme case. It's preposterous. Of course, it's preposterous. And that is the whole issue with extreme cases. Anybody with an imagination can pick up an, an extreme case about anything and use that as a justification to disagree with something. That is not a justification for not going down a road which ultimately maximizes good for the most number of people. Yes, we need to be guarded about those extreme cases or going down those extreme cases and the people that need to be protected by those extreme ends. But the extreme, by definition, are not the problem. They're the outliers. They're the ones that we just need to be careful of, keep an eye on, but they are not a justification for not doing something that ultimately is a, a good thing. So that's my last point. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to listen to you on the podcast. Cheers, guys. Thank you for the fun. Right. I'll catch you again another time. Thanks. Bye. I appreciate you. Okay, well, the, the last bit of sanity just walked off the podcast. Um, I'm still here. The, like I said, the last bit of sanity has just walked off the podcast. Um, this may be a good time, uh, listeners, for you to walk away too, because it's if you thought it was crazy before, the, the adults have left the building. <laughs> I'm just going to start now. Okay. Well, fine. Um, let's, I, I, there, there's so many small pieces of thread. This doesn't need to go on all day, but honestly, I didn't expect you to be so crazy unreasonable as you have been. Um, and I should have known. And yet, and it started with, what, what do you mean by palliative care? Uh, and it just went downhill from that as if we're not, um, but no, that's fine. Up with morphine because your knee hurts. Palliative care is it, it's not killing yourself. Right. Okay. For them to, to give you, you know, euthanasia. It's, it's just, I mean, they died from it, but I mean, they weren't trying to die. Come on, stop it. You know, you have to be dying of something. But the thing is, is that these. We're all dying, Teddy. I know. We're, we're always dying. dying. And that's the whole thing. Because some of these doctors. You just froze. All right, great. Um, so while you are frozen, uh, that gives me <laughs> that gives me a moment. Um, so what I what I wanted to go back to way back to was not palliative care, actually, but the ownership of life, uh, because I think there is a lot that's left unsaid, because a lot of what you were arguing assumes that a person's life either belongs to this invisible being, or it belongs to the state in somehow, but God forbid that your life actually belong to yourself, uh, and that you have soul, uh, 
right of whether it goes on or not. Now, I believe that a person's life belongs solely to themselves. Uh, my life belongs to myself. Now, thank goodness I am not suicidal, but I can tell you now there is definitely a condition of health I can get in where I would uh, seek euthanasia. Uh, so uh, I, I certainly don't say with any kind of machismo, oh, I would never do that. Yes, I would. Yes, I've, I've almost been there. So um, while uh, Teddy tries to reconnect, um, I will just continue. Um, Darren, you can uh, you can jump in if you like. Um, uh, that would be that would be fine too if you want to uh, if you want to turn on. Uh, so, if a person owns their life, uh, and if the life does not belong to the state or some other power, then they should have the right to end their life. I am not. As, as much as I am arguing for the right to do it, I'm not argue, arguing as if I wanted someone to do it. I don't, I don't want people to kill themselves. I don't want life to get so bad that people think that that's the only way out. But in fact, for, for many people, it is. It is a better option. There are things worse than death. Uh, and what, what you call life might be worse than death for a lot of people. And so that option should be on the table and they should be able to do that. And if they have some way to do that, where that they think is satisfying and dignified, uh, that's fine. And, uh, if, if they want a better, uh, way to do it, uh, that should be provided to if they need assistance doing it. But, I, okay, you're back. So I was just uh, just to briefly um, reiterate, what I'm talking about is a person's ownership of their life and self-determination thereof. It, their, their life does not belong to the state. The only time your life belongs to the state is if you're a prisoner. Now, uh, I talked last week, I don't I actually am against uh, prison and punishment in that sense, because it does take a person's life away from them. And now their life belongs completely to the state. They are property at that point. And I, I think it's probably better to be dead than to be property. Uh, that said, uh, if, if, my, if my idea of life is correct in that we own our own life and are completely self-determined, then we have a right to end it. And it's just a matter of uh, the only thing negotiating uh, at this point is how it ends and whether someone can help us do it or not. Um, if you say, though, that it's against the law for a person to take their life, well, first, that's stupid because you can't enforce it. And, and second, you were set, you're making a statement that their life doesn't belong to them, it belongs to the state, and the state tells them what they can and can't do with it. But why does it matter whether they have a right? You have the ability to end your life, unless you're, you know, quadriplegic or bedridden or unconscious. Well, but the, the, right, the right is what allows us to choose method. Allows? And if, 
Yes, because you don't because have autonomy. If if you if you need permission, then then that obviates the whole point of autonomy, right? Well, you if need you need permission? if you need a, if you need assistance from a professional, oh, then you don't have autonomy. Then you are ceding your autonomy to that doctor who has to certify that you qualify. To no, you're you're, you're not ceding your autonomy at all. Autonomy. You're simply seeking partnership from oh, someone who can assist you. That's not autonomy. No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I understand how you're using autonomy. Um, you you got dressed this morning. Uh, I take it by yourself, but I bet you didn't make that. Um, the the outfit you're wearing. But I didn't I, say I, I needed to be autonomous in creating clothes. Okay, then I, I think you're using autonomy in a way that I'm not using it. I don't. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Well. I'm just saying when people think they want to have autonomy in dying, um, in in terms of legalizing euthanasia, there's a whole process. It's like you have I, to- I want to have autonomy have in going where I want to go, but that doesn't mean that I don't need a ride. Excuse me. But there's, but there's I, I, my my autonomy allows me to go to the mall, but I get on a bus to do it because I can't drive. No, okay. Why stop euthanasia at terminal illnesses? Why not hand out the little euthanasia pill just for, I'm feeling sad. But I don't believe it should be stopped at terminal illnesses. Oh, so, so oh, I just, um, I just got divorced. You see, at this point, we, we're just talking about, oh, wait a minute. At this point, we're just talking about who gets to decide when they do it. And, and what you want to do and what the Christian wants to do is insert themselves into that process and says, no, you can't do it in this case, but yes, you can do it in that case. I don't, I don't care what does the, you want. Why does the law need to get involved in, in, um, I don't know why it should, except it is involved people. in telling that telling no, doctors that, who wouldn't mind assisting that they can't do it. But that is what cheapens life. You started off your opening statement with the cheapness of life. Wait, 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 wait. hang on, hang on, life. hang on, hang on. Goalposts. Ah. Goal, these goalposts are not on wheels. Stop you it. Um, these... <laughs> if somebody wants to commit suicide, Go commit suicide. Get some, score some drugs off the street. You know, have fun with your heroin. And if you make a mistake, you know, or go get some rat poison. You know, what, what, what you're saying, what you're saying is so monstrous and hideous. I, I can't it's imagine not. that you would want. It is yeah, not. It is. I mean, you don't need to have legalized euthanasia, which then puts a burden on other people. Wait, wait a minute. We got. We, wait, hold on. Let's let's not switch to the burden. We're, we're talking about you don't want to talk about the burden. Well, no, I just want to talk about one thing at a time. Legalizing euthanasia creates I, a burden on people who do want. To I can't. Live. I can't. I can't address every subject for being at the alive same time. And like, oh, you know, maybe I need to kill myself so, so that my so, so family doesn't hang, have hang to on, take hang care on, of me. Mm. Hang on. It's trying to keep the goalpost stationary. No, we're, it's not do, moving do, the goalpost. It's relevant. It's, it, does it, it try to keep up? <laughs> I'm not going that up. fast. I'm keeping up. You're not keeping up. Does a person own their life? It's irrelevant. You have No, it's not irrelevant. Just answer the it, question. Why, okay, why is it relevant? Do you have free will? What's relevant is does, it, what, does a person own their life? 
or does the state own it or does some other power own it we live in a country where why can you not answer the most basic of the questions uh, surrounding this issue okay the reason why is because i have not seen some sort of uh title like a piece of paper that says teddy is owned by teddy or teddy is owned by you know uh america or teddy is owned by her parents i haven't seen anything or i haven't seen a paper that said teddy is owned by god i haven't seen anything so you know what you know and i don't know i'm i'm not quite clear if the bible says that i know god created us i know that god said we shall not kill i know that our body is you know a temple and that god is within us i so i am inferring that i am owned by god i don't know that with a hundred percent certainty because okay, god has let's, given a free let's, will let's, but i don't think that that's relevant we, we keep god we keep getting god in taking god out because let's god let's let's take god out and keep him out for the moment because i don't i can't keep up with your reasoning nope, no no there's no god but he lets us do you excuse me does there's for the for the sake of understanding this point there is no god okay theology is is not a part of the discussion do you own your life or do i own it or does the state own it or does some committee own it who owns your life you know that is subject to interpretation unless you have your um okay interpret it principle who owns your life founded unless you uh, have your principles founded in for example in christianity we just took theology out of it okay but again that with if you if you don't then it's it's all relative well then i so we just you've been you've been begging to take theology out of it every time i put it in so theology is out of it who owns your freaking life okay but you know what during you know there was a time in america david where there were african american or not african americans there were african do you own your life without people. a god or not that's all subjective <laughs> if if there is a god right you it, you're going to you're going to say anything and everything God. except saying that you own your life and the reason you can't acknowledge that is because if we actually do own our lives then we do have some mastery over uh how we want to live it and how we want to die it and therefore there should not be uh any massive restrictions over how we end our lives and if one of the ways that we choose to end our lives is with a consenting doctor's assistance we should be able to do that and you should the also state, have excuse me right. the state should not be able to step in and say no you can't do that because the moment they can then the state owns your life i guess you should also have second amendment rights too so do you uh, wait a minute, goalposts, I, I could have sworn there were goalposts right there. 
I'm just saying, I'm just applying the same logic. You were, you were just doing things. everything to get out I'm of having want, to admit. I'm just wanting you to be consistent. <laughs> the weakness of your position. No, I'm wanting you to be consistent um, because, because, you know, I, as a conservative, I am okay, we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap this up pretty soon. Right. If you're not going to engage with the with the topic at you're hand, and what's being the, said, you like the, you, you like collective rights. You want you want to jump uh, you want to jump five weeks back to another show because you're not doing real good in this one. You, uh, oh, I'm doing great <laughs> just because you're trying so, to characterize it one way. You your philosophy well, tends to be all about the collective. So you're curiously, all okay. About so I'm sorry. Rights. Did I get an answer? Did I get an ultimate answer from I'm you? I'm telling you, with you're God take it out of it irrelevant you think that you're you don't own your about life irrelevant things i you're, right. you're not irrelevant to, you're just so, trying to get to the if issue a, if a person if, if a person hold on do you believe let's 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 try to stay at least topic adjacent uh do you believe that it is okay for a person to have euthanasia with a painful terminal disease yes or no are you talking about where it's legalized? No. Yeah, yeah. So you don't believe that a person who is suffering from the worst form of terminal cancer should be able to end it uh, with a doctor's assistance, that they should, in fact, ride it out. Is no, that what I'm you're saying? saying? No, I'm not saying they should ride it out in terms of having pain, I think that they should have a doctor give them excellent pain relief in the terms of palliative care. Uh, well, we, so, we've already determined that we don't know what the hell you're talking about with, uh, uh, well, when you talk about palliative care. I already care. told you, there's the doctrine of double effect to where the intention of the doctor is yeah, your your doctrine of double speak is not is not, not making speak. any clarification because, here because the uh, intention, a, the intention I'm, I'm sorry died. a person who is seeking death let's be clear mm -hmm. who is who excuse me a person who is seeking death as a form of escape from their terminal and painful illness should they be allowed to have a doctor assist them in that death or not no now, a person who is seeking escape from pain should be permitted to have pain medication. Right, right. So as, as long pain. as as long as they say, oh, no, I'm not trying to die, quote, quote, wink, wink. I'm just seeking relief from pain. Yeah. But, but uh, when, so when somebody is dying of certain diseases and, and doctors know that a, a high amount of pain accompanies that type of disease, well then, okay. doctors. I mean, you know, it's yeah, not I'm like just, I'm just, know. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get outside of your double speak. Forget about that. Speak. The person's, the person's intent, their stated intent is that they want to die. Okay, doctors cannot and should not. I mean, they can, but I'm not supporting that. A doctor is permitted to alleviate pain and. If they know, if as the pain gets higher and higher and higher, there's going to come a point to where they're going to give a, a very high amount of, of morphine or whatever. Okay, so I'm, I'm still where, trying. To, I'm still trying to just understand where your line is. A, a person is saying, you know I, "Hold on, I, I want to die, doctor. I would like more morphine." Uh, 
Now no. the doctor says if I give you more morphine, you you will die now as opposed to later. But no. I I want to die. So will you give me the morphine? Are you saying the doctor should say no? I'm correct. The okay, so if the person no. in that same situation said, "Doctor, I would I'm not interested in dying, but I just want to be out of pain." And the doctor says, well, if I give you this pain uh, medicine, it would end your life now as opposed to later. Should the doctor give the morphine to get them out of pain? No, no. And the person huh? that I'm talking about that would be receiving the type of palliative care that I'm talking about is going to be bedridden anyway. Well, that, I'm sorry, that doesn't address the question. On the on the one hand, and I gave you the, the question the first time, so I'll just do it again in case in case... You know, I got confusing somewhere along the line. The person is saying, I have had enough of this, doctor. I want to die. The doctor says, well, I can give you uh, more morphine and that would kill you in all likelihood. You're saying that the doctor could not do that because they would be assisting a person in dying. Correct. Same situation, same bed, Correct. same cancer. Um, the person says, doctor, I want to be relieved of pain. And the doctor says, well, if I give you this uh, morphine, you will die. It would be okay for them to do it then because the person said the magic words of, I want to be relieved from pain instead of I want to die. An oncologist, for example, this isn't going to be their first rodeo in terms of knowing what kind of pain a person dying of cancer is going through. So they, they know what amount of, of pain relief somebody needs at end stage cancer or, or what other, whatever other type of um, problem somebody is having. Right. So they would actually withhold that pain medicine if they weren't trying to kill them. They, and they, and they also know, or at least the ones, you know, when you when you're going to a skilled doctor who knows palliative care, they know what a toxic dose is and what a therapeutic dose is. And so they should be treating the pain, but not beyond that. No, it come, there's going to come a point to where you know, that pain relief is probably going to push over into death, but it's not being done for the purposes of, you know, hey, doc, you know, I'm tired of living. Can you help me, you know, right. So, so what you're saying is if the person goes into palliative care thinking I want to die, they shouldn't get it. But if they go into palliative care thinking I want to live, but just be out of pain, they should get it. It's not like, oh, you know, I just want to go into palliative care. It's it's well, we're talking doctor. we're talking about this late stage cancer patient. We're, yeah, we're, I mean, we it's, haven't it's, the know, goalposts are still there as far as I'm concerned. You're just saying that in the yeah. one case, if someone says I want to die, they shouldn't be allowed to have it. Yeah, I, they I, should I, only be allowed to die if they don't want to die. Meaning you have to qualify. For what, what is quite right qualify to whom for what's the qualification again well meaning you're in who 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 do i have to get permission for my life to end in this way from well, who from your doctor but it again it's always and, and what's the qualification out. i'm sorry what's the qualification well the doctor's going to be treating you for whatever the problem is right so if it's cancer uh, or or whatever, uh -huh. whatever's causing death 
for the person. You know, if somebody's like in hospice and, and they're receiving palliative care. Okay, what if what if death? Um, I'm I'm just, look. I think the audience has seen the point. I'm just stubbornly carrying on so that I can make you admit the point. Uh, so this could take a while. What if um? What if uh, this was a situation where a person was suffering intense pain uh, with without really much of a hope of ending that pain? This was going to be their life, but it wasn't technically lethal. Um, and what they want is enough medication to get them out of pain. Would 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 should they be allowed the same pain relief as the cancer patient? I mean, if somebody is legitimately in intense pain, I, I do believe that they deserve intense pain meds. Right, and even if it kills them. It depends. It depends on how uh, okay. long. It depends on how long the pain is expected to go. For example, forever, forever. Okay, for example, I have had um, situations with pulled muscles, uh, where one time it was so horrible. Okay, I'm short circuiting this forever. The pain is not expected okay. to ever go away. Yeah, I mean, then if if it's that intense, then you know they need to give you as intense of a pain med. And if that, then, you know, there are things actually, uh, it's good. I, well, I want you to finish the thought. Okay. Don't look for another goal. I, I am, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is they cannot give you upping the dose to kill, but they can put you in one of those therapeutic comas. I mean, it, if, wait, if wait, wait, doctor, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. Uh, you, you lost me there. I, I don't. I'm trying to keep up. I'm a little slow. It's you like said I'm they can't. They can't keep upping the dose so that it kills you. Um, mm -hmm. And what I asked a, a minute ago is, can't? Are you? Would you not be? Should you not be eligible for the same treatment as a person with palliative care? Yes. Which is to say, uh, even if it kills you. Okay. Because if, palliative if, care kills every time. We know that. So but the person is on their way out. You can be. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. Sorry. You could be in intense pain. The 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 the, the, death, the death is just a double speak thing. What you call no, it? No, a no, double no. Up. You could be. You could be <laughs> in intense pain. Um, I think I think Jerry Lewis wasn't. You he? can be in intense pain, but not immediately dying. Right. This is the yeah, scenario that I'm trying to set life. up. Right. This is the and so I am asking: Is that person not entitled to have their pain relieved just as much as the person who uh, yes. is dying from something terminal? Right, and in both situations, which is what I am saying, with the cancer, the person dying of cancer, as well as the person who's in intense pain, you the the doctor, especially if if the person who has the the intense pain where it's going to just be ongoing, you know, give them as much pain med as what they need to where they're not feeling the pain. 
even if it kills them. It kills them. But right. pain med is not being given for the intention of killing him. Just like but, if you, just like if somebody right. takes Advil for over two weeks, you know, you may end up dying because your liver's going to shut down. Yes. You know, but, some of these people that are wanting to commit suicide, you know, maybe try that. But <laughs> currently, cur- I'm sorry, currently, legally, uh, a doctor, if you're in a hospital in a situation where there is intense pain and you are going to live with that pain for, you know, as far as they know, could could last forever, they cannot give you more medicine than than uh, what is considered safe. They so you you cannot actually get that pain relieved as I'm describing right now. Uh, you can get it relieved up to a certain point, but if it would kill you, they can't give you that additional dose. Palliative care is the only scenario of which I am aware where they can legally give you the lethal dose. And what I am saying is if you were in some other form of pain besides a terminal illness, but it's the same kind of pain. Why shouldn't you be qualified? I'm sorry, why shouldn't you be qualified to get the same pain management even if it kills you? Because maybe it's not the same type of pain. Maybe it's, maybe what the doctors are seeing is that there's a type of psychological pain that is- Why is psychological pain different? because psychological pain can change so can physical pain why is psychological pain different try again well i mean there are medications that can be used and same with physical pain why is psychological pain somebody is dying of of you know pancreatic cancer that's not going to change well, but their levels of pain somebody, will change. But if somebody's sad because, you know, if so, some if someone's dying from depression, they're still dying. I you're not giving that me can change, but that can you're change. not you're not giving me a difference between psychological pain and uh, otherwise physical pain. And I, I don't even I don't even like separating psychological from physical because it's it's all in the brain. Yeah, uh, at the end of the day, people, you can give people medications and sometimes that can change things. There are many people who were suicidal and then they get on medications and they're no longer suicidal. There, there, there are plenty of people who uh, that doesn't help. There are plenty of people who commit suicide after being under years of treatment uh, from a counselor. So once again, you are you are not explaining your bigotry against psychological bigotry. pain. Yes, because you're you're treating people with psychological pain in your own examples differently than people under intense physical pain. Because and I'm is- trying to figure out why you think that one is so different from the other. Well, you just use two different words, so they are different. One is psychological. Well, one is- like I said, there it's all the brain. It's all physical. There's there's no psychological pain no, that you can have that's not a, that's not associated with the physical. The brain psychological deals with the mind and you can't, you can't. Right. Well, okay. If you're a substance dualist, you might make that distinction. I am not. And I don't, 
Uh, and this is the only reason why, uh, in language, I allow even that much um, uh, that much leeway. But what you are not telling me is why you are preferencing one kind of pain over the other kind of pain. And I do think it is uh, bigotry of a kind because you're saying that those people who suffer psychological pain, you know, they're not really sick. They're not really suffering. But those people suffering physical pain, they should be treated. Okay, but okay, but you know, here we are. I mean, this whole what are we even debating? People commit suicide all the time. You don't need it to. But be they shouldn't legal. have to. Hold on. Oh, but they shouldn't. But they, they shouldn't have, have to. to. Not only that, it has to be on their terms. I'm sorry. It does have to be on their terms. It's my life. It should, it should be on my terms. Well, so then, once well, again, then but, figure out a way to but do it you, yourself. But you agree. Figure out a way to do it yourself. Well, how about all those people in physical pain stop just being, figure out a way to do it themselves? A, you know, those people need to perhaps stop being crybabies. Maybe, maybe those people with physical pain and uh, uh, should stop being crybabies the real you comes out no and it's not it's not a good look no you should no. really think about this no. more what you're doing because if you if you represent christianity i think you, you just killed christianity people, for an entire generation you want me to help people who are in their most vulnerable state push them over the edge oh, no, no, no. we've already it. determined that you're okay with people it, with physical but, pain uh no. getting help but, from doctors because, you don't well, call them big cry babies no. but if they're suffering emotional pain i just get over your pansy no what we do what is wrong with you now i'll tell you david what we do as a society is we don't say here take the little pill and do yourself in we do don't do? it's called palliative we, care we do not um say hey this is okay what we, you're saying what you're say, saying is when you agree that a person should when, when a person is suffering enough for you then it's okay for them to get the, enough pain medicine to do the job when they're not suffering enough for you then they're just crybabies. We are going to say that we stand for life and that we are going to try to help that person. So what I'm not saying stand, that we don't. What you stand do for anything. is not life. I'm not that is that is not life. No, no, no. And and what we do what we need to do as a society and as people, and it's like we we all see people around us, you know. And we've become more and more alone as a culture as we're just all looking at our smartphones and we hardly ever interact. It's a, I find it interesting how it's I've, I've noticed even just with friends of mine, nobody talks on the phone anymore. It's, okay. it's almost like they this, feel like this show is over. I don't know what the hell we're talking about. Uh, phones and on the phone nobody and talks anymore. Like, what does this have to do no, with you? Because it's Asia? about human interaction. And I don't I, No so one gives a damn what your no, idea it, of proper interaction no, is. No, I'll tell because, you. Because I own my so life. And what if you don't think that I'm interacting enough, and if you don't think that my pain is serious enough, it then you're going to try to stop me from uh, having a dignified way of dying. But if not. you think it's enough, if you think if you look at the charts and it's it, you know, the cancer is there, and you you determine that the pain is there, then I can get a lethal dose. Screw Why that. You, no one, no one cares what you suicide? or some group of Christians think. 
why is suicide the answer to somebody being sad? Why is suicide? I don't know. Why why is suicide the answer for someone being in intense pain? That's a that's a really bad short sighted why answer because circumstances change okay so i'm once again i'm trying to understand i asked you this earlier and you and you kept avoiding it so i'll try it one more time if you don't want to answer it we'll we'll end the show why what is the difference between what you think of as intense physical pain and intense psychological pain why should why should they be treated as if they weren't the same thing because if with, with psychological pain sometimes if a person can just change their perspective sometimes somebody can tell somebody something or circumstances can change and then all of a sudden the problem is gone whereas with a real physical problem things don't can't just magically usually turn around like that actually a lot of physical pain is psychosomatic so once again you've you're not you're you're actually okay, not doing that should job. Be, okay but i'm talking about real like you know, somebody has, but it's all real. What do you mean no, by I'm real? About a real disease. Like somebody has cancer. Depression somebody is has, a real disease. Somebody has a heart attack. Somebody excuse me. Depression is a real disease. I know that, but I'm talking about where people have, you know, things that cannot be just turned around in a couple of weeks with taking depression can't be turned around in a couple of weeks there are there are actually it, physical there excuse me there are physical I know that. but you seem to be saying that the physical problems associated with depression aren't real and but it's real if you if if you like have a broken arm or something now i can see that that's real pain oh cancer that's real depression not real it's all physical once again i am trying to understand why you think one should be treated differently than the other they can all be treated sometimes not always successfully um but at some point a person has the right to say you know what i've had enough of this pain but ma'am if you just are on chemo for another year Maybe we'll come up with a cure for cancer by then. No, I'm done. That person doesn't they have, have a right to have society. Actually, they, they what they have a right for is their doctor to give them pain relief. Why do they have a right such to that, that? Uh, why do they have a right to pain well, where relief? Where do they get that right? Where do they get that right to have somebody else help them? I'm sorry, they don't have a right to pain relief? Yeah, they don't have a right to a doctor? Yeah, where do they get that right? Tell me. Oh, I I where do they get that right? They don't have a right. I don't, I don't know if I don't, don't know have a right if you have drank that too many beers or if you have not had a Is that enough. doctor their slave? What? Is that doctor their slave? Who owns that doctor? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Is that doctor their slave to, to force that doctor? Do you have a right to medical care? Because that would mean you own a doctor in their services to you. I'm, I don't think so. Okay. You don't own their, I, their services. I don't know if this could get more bizarre. Um, yeah, it's actually just starting to heat up. I'm, I'm. See, there's a there's a part of my now personality that is truly twisted enough to want to see just how far down this Absolutely. can go. 
Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but I don't think I think this is an abuse of the audience. At this no, point. it's not. Um, we have it's we have abused them for two and a half hours. So here's here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'll let the audience decide if they want to hear more of Teddy and I um, descent into madness. But at this point. I don't even I don't understand the other argument. So I mean, mostly I will argue a point until until both sides understand the other and enough has been said so that people can make up their own there is no mind. At this point, I don't know what's I don't understand the words coming out of her mouth. I don't understand the context. I don't and I'm not gonna understand it three hours from now because I'm getting less understanding as we go. That said, there is a certain amount of entertainment to this. I will, because I, I am a little twisted, but I think the more responsible thing to do here would be, um, you know, we've got all five, four tires that have fallen off the car. The car is just moving on on uh, momentum, scraping the, the bottom carriage at this point. It's, there's no direction. The steering wheel is gone. Everybody in the car is dead. I, this analogy has gotten out of hand. This no one is being helped by continuing to watch this crash so um that said i would be curious to see what kind of feedback we get from both sides skeptics and seekers dot squarespace.com i'm i'm just gonna put it out there i suspect teddy will be in the um in the in the comments this week you're gonna be in the comments this week teddy i will be you'll be fired up um so if if you if you want if you want a piece of this skeptics and seekers skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com i actually may not be in the comments um this week as much as i won't because i've got um uh, my workload is picking up again and so whenever i have you know real work to do as opposed to this stuff you know real pain as opposed to this psychological pain i'm going through right now um i usually don't spend as much time in the comments but that said um i'll tr I try to hang out and um see what's going on there so teddy in um our fine skeptics and seekers tradition uh we will have some last words uh however keep your last words brief or i will cut you off uh so um that way i will give you the first last word and uh, I will close the show in audience. If you honestly, if you want more of this, if you want more of this, we can give you more of this. We can give it. So uh, be careful what you ask for. Uh, this season though is almost over. So you probably won't get more of this this season. Um, what's coming up next week? Uh, Brian with a Y and I are gonna wrap this up, uh, our series on killing. So um, that will be, um, that will that will end this and then after that i hope to have one show in between the next series i may or may not uh but i want to have either one show or a complete break uh between uh the end of this series and the next one the next series will be shorter uh i'm i'm almost certain of that and it will be on uh human sexuality and uh we've been um threatening to talk about that uh, seriously for some time. That time 
uh, has come. After that shorter series, uh, hopefully there will be one other show, and then the final series for the season will be on Satan, God of this world. So that's uh, that's what's coming up uh, for skeptics and seekers. After that, uh, the season ends. Uh, I usually take uh, at least some significant part of the summer off. But those who are veterans of this show know that I usually podcast more during my off season than I do in the own season. So I clearly don't understand what breaks mean, but I'm going to actually try to take a real one uh, this time. Uh, and with that said, Teddy, your final thoughts. So my concern with euthanasia ever being legalized is that a right to die could um, very easily turn into this implicit duty to die by many people by creating this separate class of people whose lives are not protected in the same way by our homicide laws, um, where their lives are seen as cheaper, as expendable, that their lives are not as worthy because they're not as productive or they're not productive at all. Um, and when we create this ability where people can just opt out of living, then it's gonna be people who are disabled, people who are young and sick, people who are frail and old, people with dementia. Um, those are the people who people are gonna look at and and wonder, you know, why aren't you taking that pill? And those people are going to wonder themselves if, if their loved ones are thinking, you know, how come mom or dad isn't taking that pill to relieve the burden that they are on us? And those people will feel like they are being a burden. And oh, but you know, society is giving me a way to relieve my family of this burden. Whereas normally, the normal human condition is when, when we're sick or when we're unable to care for ourselves, good people help us. That, that's what we do as good people. We take care of those that cannot take care of themselves or who need a helping hand. We don't give them a pill so that they can just off themselves. And so, we, I understand that we, we, nobody wants somebody suffering, um, but there are ways that we can reduce pain and eliminate pain and, and getting rid of pain where, it, where the intention is not to kill, but just to, to eliminate pain in, in the doctrine of double effect, that is not the same as euthanasia because the intent isn't to kill, the intent is to eliminate the pain. And, um, and so we, we just have to be careful. It, we can't let the, uh, the goal of somebody's absolute autonomy be more important 
then and 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 somebody's desire for autonomy in dying be more important and infringe upon somebody's um wanting uh to live and to not feel like they have a burden to possibly kill themselves, to not feel like a burden on their family, because now, you know, they feel like, well, gosh, you know, there's this pill and, and people are looking at me like, how come you're being so selfish, sticking around, making people take care of you? You should be, you know, killing yourself. So I, I just think it sends such a, a, a bad message. If, if peop most people uh, are not in the situation to where they, if they're sick, where they cannot commit suicide themselves, if that's really what they need to do. And I hope that they wouldn't do that because there are ways to, to manage pain. And a lot of people are afraid of dying, not realizing that pain can be managed. And, and then even towards the latter part of dying, there are still moments that we have with our family members that that are important and that, that can be meaningful. And so I, I don't think it should be squandered. Um, and so I, I think people should should treasure life for the for the gift that it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, how how dare you want to die? Um, who do you, who do you think you are? What, what right do you have to decide whether or not you want to check out? Um, You know, the Christians will tell you when it's okay for you to check out. God will tell you when it's okay to check out. Uh, the state will tell you when it's okay to check out. But you, what, did you think your life belonged to you, fool? What do you think you're doing? Why, if you die and it's too easy for you, then someone else in your position might want to do it too. Someone else might, might demand a more dignified death. Someone who had formed a noose might stop forming that noose and say, wait a minute, I, I want the, the same shot that, that he got. Someone who has a barrel of a gun in their mouth might stop and say, oh, wait a minute, there's a, there's a better way? A, a way that's more in keeping with my sense of dignity and uh, that will not uh, have the same effect on my family? That, how dare you offer those people this kind of choice? What is the matter with you? Don't you know that pain, suffering is, is good? Why, God, in, in your weakness, he is strong. 
don't you know that the more you suffer and bear it, the more miserable your life is, and the more you hang on to it, the more glory God gets. Don't you know that? What were you thinking? You want to steal God of his glory? Maybe God is going to offer a last minute healing if you just stay long enough. Don't you want to get a magical healing from God? Well, don't you dare call that palliative care center because we know how that ends. Let's give, uh, let's give God a chance to be strong through your suffering and to grant himself more glory because to God be the glory. God is good all the time, says the congregation. And they all said, Amen. Thank you for listening.